Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. Tyler, make a wish. It's 11-11. I am David Bax. (laughs) Try to guess what my wish was. (laughs) No, I don't want to say it out loud because then it won't come true. Mm, It already already hasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What did I say? I'm David Bax. Yes, there we go. And thank you for listening. David, how you doing aside from feeling silly? Uh, I'm not feeling silly. Just like when it's 11, 11, you have to seize the moment. It only lasts sure. a minute. Yeah. Carpe and diem. You got to make that wish. Yeah. Um, uh, and I also, because I have always kept my phone on military time. Cause mm-hmm. it just seems to my brain that just seems more logical. There's only one 11, 11 a day for me. Right. There's not two. Yeah. There's just the one in the morning. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're uh, a rare morning record for us. Late, late morning, but uh, yeah, we're normally late night recorders. Yeah. This um, is not my not my time of day, especially because I I woke but, up oddly early this morning and couldn't get back to sleep. I feel like the listeners are going to get sick of us talking about a recording schedule, but it is really like it feels like since the end of august early late august early september like uh like the olivia says movie uh late august early september since then our schedule has just been fucked up and it's going to keep being fucked up until after the oscars probably yeah that's probably about right yeah it's just between vacations and film festivals and holidays yeah uh we're recording all kinds of weird times um so yeah we're, we're recording this episode on a sunday morning and um uh but i've also been up for a while okay uh, been awake for a while because I, I I got up and I walked the dog and exercised and stuff I like that. You did that just and like in total silence, no, kind of in a Zen type of thing. It's funny you should mention it. Oh, okay. Because while I was doing it, I was listening to my tweakedaudio.com oh, earbuds. Oh, that you makes see, sense. Listeners, tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a ver- in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day. Like I said, I was using them today. I was listening to the new album by a band that uh, I. Known of for a few years, they have a new album coming out. I don't know how to pronounce their name. Okay. Um, how would you say this, Tyler? Obsequie? Obsequie? Okay. okay. Uh, but they, uh, they're like a, a, a black metal band. They have a new album out. Uh, sounded great on my. Um, yeah, listeners, it's O B S E Q U I A E. Obsequie? Yeah, something like that. Sequia or Sequia. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're really good, and it sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds. Uh, those are available uh, at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Is it off-putting when someone goes off script? <laughs> you had to make that wish. You know? I mean, fine. Next time it's 11-11, I won't alert you to it, All right. and, and your wish will go unmade. Um, if debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded, too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Tyler? Yes. Let's get into it, shall we? We have a very fun, uh, this, is, this is a season of 
uh, serious, like end of year, end of end, right. end of uh, decade yeah. episodes. But well, we a time of reflection, day. And, and we'll have, of course, we'll have like a holiday episode as well. We mm-hmm. have a lot of like sort of rituals and traditions that we observe on the podcast this time every year. But we found some time for a, just a fun one. Yes. Uh, and it was suggested. No by, substance at all. Uh, <laughs> it was suggested by our very fun guest mm-hmm. whom I think you were going to introduce right now. Well, you're correct, David. I've got good news for you. Uh, yeah, uh, he's been on uh, before. It's been a while because he moved away because he decided he's got you know better things to do or whatever. Um, it is uh, you know our own favorite private dick, Ryan O'Leary. Ryan, how you doing? Hi, Tyler. Actually, it's been so long that I moved here and moved away since I've been on the show proper. Is that true? Oh, yeah. that's right. Because we had you. That's right. Yes, yeah, we had you for commentaries when you lived commentaries. here. That's right. right. Yes. So um, you're also Ryan. Thank you for being here. You're also a filmmaker. Well, thanks <laughs> for flying me out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Tyler likes to introduce you as a private dick because that's how you uh, pay the bills. But uh, you're a filmmaker. Yeah. And you're Here's in- the thing. I know filmmakers. <laughs> I know other filmmakers. I only know one private detective. So that is how I'm going to think of this guy. But you're in town with a short film. Yes. That played at a festival, uh, the Sherman Oaks Film Festival Friday night. Correct. Um, I'm sorry I wasn't there. Thanks for your support, guys. (laughs) You're here, right? This is our version of support. Before we get into the the very fun topic, uh, tell us about your your, your short film. Sure. Um, It's a short film that was adapted from what was supposed to be my second feature film, which came very close to getting fully financed back in 2016. Um, we had a few pretty decent, recognizable actors attached. Anyway, the money fell through for the most part. And I'm going to avoid saying the stuff that can make someone Google everything that actually happened. But if you look up my name and the last year and Variety, you could see who was attached at one point. Um, one of those people, being the lead actor who fell through, fell through in a pretty crappy way and kind of boned us on mm. a few things. But anyway, so we still had like a chunk of money from the, that feature and about... A year or so after not making any progress, my one producer suggested adapting it into a short film, which usually I think when you do that, you have like this key centerpiece scene that you could just like knock out of the park. The average scene length in this feature is probably like a quarter to half a page. It's a lot of tight little scenes that feed into each other. So we couldn't really do that. So at first I wasn't into the idea, but then I I kind of figured out an angle for it and brought it down to this 14 minute short. And we were lucky enough where a couple of the actors who were attached stayed through for the short, and we ended up getting like a ridiculously overqualified cast. So we had uh, Reed Bernies in it, who won a Tony Award a couple years ago, uh, Kathy Curtin, who's on Orange is the New Black, Stranger Things, Insecure. She's in a ton of stuff. She has like three lines in it and showed up. Hmm. Um, Lee Bay Barrar is in one scene at the very beginning. She's in one minute of the film, and she was on uh, Sneaky Pete. Um, but yeah, we ended up getting this great, great cast. And just so I don't feel bad, but we have a great Gillum, who's an awesome actress, who's in these Disney Teen Beach movies, and then our lead is uh, Sam Bartholomew, which I learned I've been pronouncing wrong. I learned at our <laughs> Q&A the other day, despite the fact that the first time I Skyped with him, like, how do I say your last name? It's not Bartholomew, but I'm not going to try to say it the way he did then, because I will botch it. You can okay. look it up. It's it's a challenging one, but Sam's awesome guy. He was on... Um, Bartholomew? I... Th- 
he's, it was close to that, but Bartholomeos. I've corrected people with my pronunciation over the last couple of years. And then it was just crushing at the Q and a when he introduced himself. But he, uh, he was also, he was on a <laughs> star Trek discovery with, I believe friend of the show, Doug Jones. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So he, uh, yeah. so yeah, we got this really overqualified cast. We shot the short in three days, but since we filmed it in December, it wasn't finished for that year's festival deadline. So it's been almost two years since we shot it and it's getting around this year, but it, it's been fun taking around. And um, uh, I've learned a lot about what happens to short films when they're played at film festivals. Well, uh, I'm going to ask about that in a second, but first off, I want to tell you to Q and a wise, don't feel bad about mispronouncing your actor's name because I'm reminded of a year ago at the Q and a after the screening of bird box. That's right. When the director, uh, Susanna beer is beer. That beer? Yeah. Um, had, uh, in the cast is the actor David Desmalchian, which is not, uh, it's a mouthful of a last name. And I can't, she said something like Delmstatchian or something. And it just, I just looked over at him and he was laughing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it happens even to uh, people who are premiering Netflix movies that will go on to inspire memes uh, at the AFI Film Festival. I think an even worse version that I heard. Um, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, oddly enough, but the guy who wrote Perks of Being a Wallflower, who also directed the movie, my okay. friend went to a book release for, I want to say, either his wife's book or his book, and one of the actors who has a supporting role in that movie, and this was only like two years after it came out, was there and went to say hi to him after, and he didn't realize who it was. Oh. It was someone with like a decent amount of screen time. Oh, um, I'm you know, not, I'm you def- know what, though? Like, I remember uh, a few years ago on the show, we had uh, Bill Duke on, and I was I wanted to talk to him about like directing episodes in like TV movies of Nero Wolf because I love that show. And it's not that he forgot that he did it, but he was just like he enjoyed it, but it was just kind of a gig for him. So he didn't really have any stories or anything to tell. It was yeah, just, OK. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. But then I realized like, yeah, that's just kind of how it is. Like there will be people, honestly, who. Well, listeners of the show who will reference something that you or I have said. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that, I mean, that happens like really recently. Like yeah. people, people will comment on the past week's episode on Twitter and I'll be like, yeah. I'm sorry, what are you referring to? Yeah. But, um, uh, last one of these type of stories and I will absolutely not name names here, uh, of who, of who said this, but at the last year at the uh, Los Angeles online film critics society award show, the way it works is that a member each uh, each category is introduced by a member of the critics okay. group um and uh someone i won't say who was introducing a category in which alex wolf was nominated and <laughs> referred to him as nat wolf <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing are you so invested in either of the wolves yeah. <laughs> that you're going to get them mixed up. Yeah. Apparently. I've got an Alex Wolf story. Okay, um, okay. So he was a featured guest at the San Antonio film festival this year. And one of the actresses from my film, apparently I think she was on the naked brothers band with him. I want to say, okay. and he posted a picture on Instagram the night before of him with her. So I'm like, Oh, I should probably talk to him. anyway. I ended up spending a decent amount of time with him into the night. And my friend slash producer wasn't feeling well and went to bed early. So I'm out with Alex Wolf, and this is going to take a second for me to pull up, so I won't do it right now. Um, it was, you know, it was late at night, and I'm like, would you want to wake up my friend doing the 
noise from hereditary <laughs> and he was really into the idea so he snuck into the hotel room and he woke up my friend like two inches from his face and splashed a little water on him making that noise anyway i got a picture of alex wolf in uh bed with my friend <laughs> and uh he was surprisingly very down because i said it to him and he's like oh that sounds kind of cool and then he found me like a half an hour hour later and he was just pumped he's like i, I want to do this idea. <laughs> so it was really cool and uh that was my experience with the Wolfman. Um, sure. Now, uh, before we get into the topic, I wanted to—I said I was going to come back to ask you. Uh, you had some stories about the about uh, uh, the difficulties of presenting a, a short film at, at these sort of short film festivals and, and whatnot. Yeah, there's a number of them that I guess because it's been a while since I had a short that I tried to take because we did the backseat did a festival run it being a feature. There's certain things that they don't screw up as much, such as the aspect ratio. Mm -hmm. Um, But with this short is like, you know, we shot it in scope. So it's a wider ratio. And one issue that's come up at pretty good festivals, too. And I know how it happens. So. What a lot of them will do to make a smooth experience, whether it be for a short film block or a feature film block, they'll go into Adobe or Avid and put everything onto one timeline and maybe put bumpers between the films. And I think when they do that, they don't always check the original ratio of the film. And so what happens is you end up having it stretched or with the sides cut off. And the last shot of our short, like like a quarter of Reed Bernie, or you know, one of our main actors, you don't see that part mm. of his face. And huh. it's happened like four or five times out of like probably about 30 screenings. So it doesn't happen too much, but it is a bummer because like we shot it that way for a reason. And it's not even like a little arts. It's just getting certain information across like what they, like with the Simpsons, you yeah, know, controversy with Disney yeah. Plus. It's like, which it's, they said they by like in January they'll fix. Which is now, do you know if it's true? Because I only heard this from one source, but I heard that that won't be in HD though. Is the thing. Um, I hope that's not the case. Not that I think I'm going to watch it. But. but I mean, early Simpsons wouldn't have been finished in HD. Yeah, right. So I, who cares? Yeah, like, I guess uh, you could still. I don't know. I feel like you could still remaster it in some way but even but i don't know because it's not it doesn't exist on film it's not like going back and you know an old show that never aired in hd but was shot on film you could do hd but if it was shot and finished in video like i think a while ago tyler and i you were you and i tell you and i were talking about uh the critic like as mm-hmm. like I, when i was getting rid of a lot of like dvds that i have i was like well, i'm not going to get rid of my critic set yeah because it's it's not going to get any better like, like yeah, it's always going to be in be. standard def so i i would almost rather see early simpsons in yeah. standard def because that's yeah. what it was finished in um as opposed to some fake uprising thing but uh so i have questions about 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 the technical aspects that's what people really tune into this podcast for so at these at a short film festival like the well well Okay, so the Sherman Oaks Film Festival is not a short film festival, no. but it has a shorts program. A and lot and, of it's shorts. And so one. your short, which is called The Lost Weekend, yes. um, is, and that's very cute that the feature was called The Lost Year, and you cut it yeah, down cut to it The down Lost Weekend. That, which also, maybe um, not the best idea when there's already a pretty famous Billy Wilder movie yeah. called yeah. that, but it's that also best fun. picture and various other things. Yeah. But that reminds me of when, um, uh, who was I think it was Kino who put out two versions of of the Mario Bava Black Sunday. They put out the original like Italian cut with like the full like blood and like, you know, uh people's faces burning and all all the all the crazy stuff. 
And then when they put out the like American, the edited American release, the cover art is just a cropped version <laughs> of the art from the Italian release. Um, anyway, so uh, the last we can hear is is is. Uh, being presented in a block of shorts. Usually. Sometimes it'll be packaged right before a feature and be the only short or with one other short before a feature. So in either case, for a film festival, what are you required, in what format are you required to deliver? It varies drastically. So the bigger, nicer festivals will want a DCP or something. And that happened with, um, what is it, the San Jose International Short Film Festival because they had like a gorgeous theater in... uh, God, what's the name of the district? Uh, anyway, there's this nice part of San Jose with like it's all walkable, and there's a Tesla store right by there. I made okay. a joke about that because I was like, anyone want to finance my movie? You have a fucking Tesla store right there. <laughs> um, but so like that one, it, the movie sounded and looked amazing. But it ranges from anything. There's ones that want a stereo mix. There's ones that want a 5.1 mix it's screened off of like a compressed mp4 download which honestly when it's on some of these smaller theaters it kind of doesn't matter you're not going to see a difference but sometimes they'll want a super high res like in the case of like a short it could be like 30 to 60 gig file that they'll have you upload to a server so it's i've had it requested in a number of formats Hmm. and i've also had it requested where they ask you specifically to in my case to have the black bars burnt in for you know just so like they don't screw it up then i've had ones request that you don't so like i just have basically um a high tail account with each version of the movie that okay. i've put after the experience of seeing it in the wrong aspect ratio i have a pretty strongly worded piece about like download this one if you're going to try to fit it to like a 185 size screen and hopefully they follow that the yeah. last the last few screenings, it's been in the right ratio. But that's like a thing I didn't know I had to worry about. And I don't I don't think it's a lack of care as much as it's really easy to overlook when you're programming. And, and when you're like, like you said, they're creating a new file that's linking yeah. all of these things. Yeah, that's that's difficult. Um, anyway, yeah, I was uh, fascinated to hear that. Uh, and you answered pretty much all my questions <laughs> about the, the technical. And so uh, let's get into it which i already said but i'm saying it again mm-hmm. uh i'm making up for some past episode where i forgot to say my catchphrase i'm go. sure um uh ryan you wanted to talk about fictional movie bands yeah and this was a very fun topic because i, I had a number that jumped into my head immediately and then when i started looking up i was like oh my god there's so many great mm-hmm. bands um and of course i have to uh acknowledge the fictional tv bands that i can't we won't be talking about today like drive shaft and like uh dingo's ain't my baby from buffy the vampire slayer crucifictorious uh, crucifictorious is definitely Central. one that uh yeah that i that i would have wanted to put on there um and my wife wanted me to mention wanted me to mention uh the band the color green from the movie girl which i've never seen but she was like that was the first thing uh that popped into her her, her mind so uh shout out to the color green but uh i don't know how do we want to uh how do, how do we want to attack this guys I can tell you what brought it to Yes, let's do so that. I let's made, so the back seat, I know you guys were putting at the top of your best of the decade list. I uh, appreciate that, but right. I think for journalistic integrity, okay. we don't do that because okay. we know each other, um, which you can watch on Amazon Prime now. Uh, I had to make a fictional band, and it was called Witness My Jehovah, and I made a lot of deliberate choices because I knew some of the actors had varying levels of experience, and they're supposed to be a shitty punk band anyway. So like a lot of the songs were limited to three power chords and things like that. But what... I think what put this on my mind was a few months ago I watched Always Be My Maybe, which is 
fine. Okay. It's not, not a bad movie, but the band that uh, Randall Park is in, that people go to see, one, I just found to be like offensively not convincing as a band. And like they didn't even try to pretend to play their instruments. And I have their name in here um, somewhere, but I just, it really stood out to me. Like, why didn't they try? It's called Hello Peril. And did either of you see the no. movie? It's, it's it's not bad, but the uh, the band aspect of it, where they're playing, you know, they have a following in uh, Seattle or wherever the movie takes place, and it's just like, have, have these people been to a concert? And like the guy playing the drums, you could see that he's not actually hitting the cymbals. Yeah, and this is like a pretty well produced movie. Like, but this was this these were songs that were written for yeah. the movie. I would just yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. And yeah, that's that's dodgy. It's rare when that works out. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of times a lot of the bands I'm thinking of they perform like uh one of the first ones that came to mind for me is Citizen Dick from Singles, Matt Dillon's character's band, and they that's right. like I think when we we don't really hear much of them. I think when we do hear them, they're playing like a mud honey song or whatever. That's like supposed to be their song. Or at least he talks about a song. That's a mud honey song. Um, but then when, when Matt Dillon does, we do see him writing a song on his own. It's terrible and it's, but it's supposed to be terrible. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think you definitely, I mean, Tyler and I have talked before, like if you're making a movie that's about a fictional, I don't know, photographer, it's supposed to be one of the greatest living photographers. Yeah the photographs in the movie either don't show them or they better be really good. My, um, my go-to is usually Mr. Holland's Opus, which is a movie that I don't mind. But then at the end, when they play this idea, it's like he's, he'd been working on this bit of music for a long time, but then just did teaching to kind of pay the bills. And before you know it, that's been his whole life. And so finally, like his ex students, like play this bit of music and it's fine. But I was just like, Oh geez, it's a good thing. that teaching thing worked out because <laughs> this wasn't that great. Um, incidentally, I did Maybe have the another point of the whole movie. We've been getting wrong is he would have written better music if he hadn't been distracted by the teaching career. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, there was another TV band, but I wanted to make sure I got the name right. Okay. Which is, Rod Torfelson's Armada featuring Herman Menderchuk yeah. uh, from Kids in the Hall. She's a tramp, she's a tramp, she's a trampoline girl. Yeah. This also made me think of, uh, so if you think music and photography is hard to communicate, the one thing I don't know if I've ever seen done well in movies or TV is a fake viral video. Oh, yeah. It's always some like horseshit thing where it's like, Oh, you fell down the stairs. The whole school is talking about it. And like, it's, oh. ne- it never works. Like the best Friday night lights again, when there's the, uh, it's a serious storyline where the girl is like drunk and perhaps like, um, taking advantage of at a party. And mm-hmm. there's a, a video of it that, that, that goes up. But the part that makes me laugh is the fake, like, Facebook or MySpace that they invented uh, for Friday Night which is called friendpost.net <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Veronica Mars which I rewatched their equivalent of Google for the first three seasons is planetzowie.com <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know I mean like the fact that something called Google became something like a household name yeah. maybe there's Planet an Zowie. alternate universe sure. in which we're all just saying so I zowied the yeah, movie starting go. time and we, we've got a 7 o'clock and a 9 no they'd say the whole thing yeah, plan- I planetzowied it <laughs> <laughs> um, also, it um, does it, like at some point, some movie or TV show is going to just call it Face Space, right? Like that actually sounds like a because you're combining think, MySpace and Facebook, and like I, I, it, it might have happened by now, but I think uh, it might have happened before. But but at this point, MySpace is a distant memory. So sure, referencing course. that, it, yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. Funny people has that joke about uh, what is it? There is a MySpace Facebook joke that i'm not remembering at all james taylor is at a at like a a myspace uh event 
And at one point he has to say, fuck Facebook, which is kind of amusing. We hear uh-huh. James Taylor say that, but that's how, that's all I remember. Yeah, I think it's, that. I think it's fuck Facebook in the face. I think might be the, <laughs> might be the line. And I think did Seth Rogen like write it for him and then he said it or anyway, but also kind of, that's yeah. the other thing too, that you see done poorly that I know you, you've talked about on the show too, is when they try to do comedy I, in movies. There are so few movies in which the stand-up comedy is convincing. Obvious Child is the only one I can really think of where I actually believe that these, uh, that Jenny Slate and, um, is it Gabe Delahaye is her best friend? Do you guys see Obvious yeah. Child? Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they're actual comics. And they are actual comics and I believe they're comedy. Because yeah. there are even movies where like, <laughs> What was that movie, The The Hero, with uh, Sam Elliott and um, oh, yeah. Laura Prepon? Like, um, uh, Ali Wong, speaking of Always Me, mm-hmm. maybe, and um, Cameron Esposito are both in it as comics doing their... But it, it's just so fake-seeming. Like, it's, yeah. it's not just go do your act on stage. It's creating the sort of feel of a comedy club yeah. or, or a comedy theater. It's, it's so rarely done correctly. Obvious Child is really the only one that I can really think of that did it i feel like the big sick does pretty well but uh, again that's they're all yeah stand-ups um yeah when when an actor does it like my currently my least favorite movie of the year is that movie the last laugh with chevy chase and richard dreyfus and dreyfus has to play like an aging comic who goes back on stage and dreyfus actually isn't bad as far as cadence and and stage presence but also just like the the jokes they give him are just so just awful but the audience is laughing and i want to be like what are you laughing at <clears throat> you know this isn't funny and then i was like oh right no they're, they're laughing because that the script needs them to um right. but yes yeah, so <laughs> as far as uh as far as bands back yeah. to that but even well, yeah, in the bands movies you have the climate or not even the climactic scene where they'll play a show somewhere and people are going nuts every time they're really yeah. into it yeah. or they're so not into it and they're throwing bottles at the band which like i guess happens sometimes but yeah, that's the other thing. Even when the music can feel sort of authentic, like sometimes they'll screw up like the crowd response. And it's just like, have you, have you gone to like a local, like a small club? Like people aren't <laughs> losing their mind over like, you know, the high school band that's opening the big gig. Like, yeah, it just doesn't happen. If the band sucks, then you just hear people talking to each other yeah. and waiting for the, the band they want to see. Unless you're um, un- unless that's part of the tone of the movie. Like, for example, that thing you do with the wonders, you know, is that the film itself is stylized to feel, to have this nostalgic feeling and like seeing like young high school girls, like freak out over this new sound and these good looking guys in the band and all that. And so the idea that they freak, I guess they don't freak out a hundred percent, but like some of them, like it just really works for them. But again, that's, that's a movie that's almost sort of playing the essence of that. Also the band is really good and well, the song is the thing, really good the literally the first two bands that came to my mind when 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 i heard we were going to do this topic is the wonders or the oneaters mm-hmm. and josie and the pussycats and the josie and the pussycats movie which has something in common which is that the songs are written or co-written by adam schlesinger from fountains oh, yeah. of Wayne. so he's like the go-to guy i guess for making believable uh good fictional movie music like and, i mean I, i've listened and adapting to the period as well yeah, with uh, yeah. that thing you do i have listened to the josie and the pussycats song like i just listened to those as as songs they're really good songs um and so that gets it what are some what are some bands fictional bands from movies that we would actually want to go see in concert i uh, i'll run down a couple while you guys think about your answers hedwig and the angry inch sure yeah uh sex bomb mm-hmm. yeah. um 
the Ain't Rights from Green Room. Oh yes, uh, is a band that I would go see. Um, uh, and then here's one that I, I'm certain I'm the only person at this table who's seen this movie because it played at Sundance and it hasn't officially been released in the U.S., but a Japanese movie called We Are Little Zombies, which is a movie about four kids who, not related, all of their parents die on the same day. They they meet by by happenstance at the crematorium <laughs> they all meet because their parents are be- all being cremated like, because <laughs> it's a fun movie <laughs> and they decide that instead of going to like either go live with relatives or go into the foster care system or whatever they run away they become homeless they create musical instruments out of garbage and start a band called little zombies that ends up sweeping the nation and being <laughs> a huge hit it's a super fun movie called we are little zombies right. and so the band little zombies um which has the and that's a, another thing the song that they they only do we only see them do two songs in the movie we see them do a cover of um uh is it the song called this will be our year just our year but is it by the zombies you know this oh, yeah. will be our year anyway um and then an original song called we are little zombies which i have been humming for almost a year now so those are my uh, I would actually go see them bands. Yeah, Hedwig, you just took a big one because that's like really good music yeah. and would be good live. Um, not really quite a band, but anything from inside Lewin Davis. Oh, yeah. sure. That really. Jim I, and Gene. Yeah, as far as going to see live. And then I, I don't know if like if I heard this band, I'd be like, I got to see them live. But uh, that movie Hearts Beat Loud that came out last year with Nick Offerman. Oh, OK. That to me had like the most authentic portrayal of like the excitement of making music. And the music was believably like it was good, but it also like it went like mildly like i think it got featured on a i totally might be botching the what happens in the movie but it's i think it gets like featured on a spotify playlist or something and in that movie i actually like bought into it and be like yeah i, I could see that and i think i would i would listen to them a number of things to come in mind with that um hearts be loud is directed by brett haley who made the hero which had the unconvincing stand-up comedy in it mm. um but uh, yeah, the thing about talking about Spotify and online streams reminded me, I didn't have it on my list, but Begin Again, which is not a very yeah. good movie, uh, but it's from uh, the same director as Once and Sing Street, which is on my list uh, as being as being very good uh, um, uh, music. But I don't know. Do either of you see Begin Again? I have. Yeah. yeah. The, I remember the music being good and the movie just, yeah, I don't remember anything. But yeah, I mean, like, I feel like the, t- like, um, it seems like, I don't know, it seemed like it would be an interesting movie, but I, did, I didn't like and it And also much. with Once and Sing Street, like, also the music's good. With with Once, you have, like, actual singer-songwriters who right. made the music. Mm-hmm. So also, though, um, the trope that I don't think they started, but when I see it now, I hate it, is when they do the bullshit of the character being called Guy and Girl. Like, I, I've been, that's the thing with these, the, especially going around with short films. It's like, our film's two minutes long, let's just call them boy. And I, I, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Um... But the swell season, like I think they probably tour playing that kind of. I've, I didn't see I, the documentary. I've seen, I've seen them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah worth seeing. Absolutely. Uh, it's uh, you know what? Okay. So this is going to sound strange because I'm sure people could say this with any musician. They're worth seeing once. I think. What? Well, I don't even mean to do that. But like, <laughs> I think we wound up seeing them twice. And the second time, I was like, no, no, I got it. I got it the first time. Like, they're not really bringing anything new. I appreciate the uh, the passion. The Glenn Hanser brings to it, uh, and uh, what's her name? Marguerite. Mar- is it like Marquetta? Marquetta, something with Inglova or something yeah. like that. I don't remember exactly, but uh, but they both do a, a really great job. 
But yeah, that almost feels like cheating because as far as if the if the question is what bands would you go see, it's like, well, these are bands that I that you could see. Yeah. You know, another one for me is Strange as it sounds like. I'm a big fan of the Blues Brothers, and uh, I would I would have. I would have loved to see the Blues Brothers perform, and they did perform. Uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi and the whole band would like go uh, around the country and that kind of thing. So uh, that feels kind of like a, a cheat. But uh, I will say Spinal Tap. Um, yeah. I would like to see. I really? would see Spinal Tap. I feel like their concert would be too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, you know what? Within the reality of the movie, okay. Not necessarily in life. You know, in life, it's a novelty act. In the movie, like their their songs are so incredibly stupid, <laughs> and yet extremely catchy as well. And so I feel like I would enjoy that. And I guess there is some version of this that I, I've seen because uh, didn't Metric do all the music for um, Envy Adams and Scott Pilgrim? Uh, yeah. So I saw. I have seen Metric live, but I think this is before Scott Pilgrim came okay. out. And also, my friend led me to believe I was going to a punk show, and I was very confused when I was there because I, I hadn't heard of them, and like it was a free ticket, so I <laughs> went and I was like, "Oh, okay." But um, yeah, um, yeah, the Clash of Demon Head. I remember liking yeah. the. Like, I don't. I don't like. I'm not a fan of Metric, so it makes sense that I don't like it. But it also kind of within the movie not liking the clash of demon head actually kind of works for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, because they're, they've kind of, I can say like, Oh, the point is that they're like, they've become a big corporate rock band or whatever, um, sure. which I don't know if that's actually the intention, but that's how I can sort of, uh, align it in my mind. I was listening to the Scott Pilgrim soundtrack with my tweaked audio earbuds, of course. Uh-huh. And, uh, and yeah, like it's, they do such a great job of, of here's the music from sex Bob-omb, which is like very raw mm-hmm. and unpolished. And then, uh, Cla- the Clash of Demon Head, which is extremely polished. I like both, um, but I do think that Sex Bomb just like rocks harder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that opening song, um, the opening title song. Yeah. But also, let's not forget the other uh, great band from Scott Pilgrim. What are they called? Crash and the Boys. Yeah. <laughs> like the, this one the song is called and Those Boys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the song is called "I Am So Sad, So Very Very Sad," and it's just the lyrics so sad. And then I like, uh, I forget the name of the character, but he's like, it's not a race guys. Um, yeah, man, that's a good movie. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I had one on the tip of my tongue. Uh, well, there's a bunch of like, um, the, the, the eighties are a good time for, for fake movie bands. Mm -hmm. You've, uh, two that I hadn't thought of initially that came to mind while I was doing my research is, uh, Buckaroo Banzai and the Hong Kong Cavaliers from Buckaroo Banzai's adventures across the eighth dimension. And then, uh, um, did you ever see Streets of Fire, the Walter Hill movie? No. Diane Lane plays right. like a sort of local girl made good who comes back to um, perform as Ellen Aim uh, is the is the character's name, and um, her music's great. I would actually go to see Ellen Aim. One of the movies I watched to prepare for this because I, what I did was I went through things kind of on my watch list of various streaming services, and I found like three movies that maybe had fictional bands, but I wasn't sure. And one of them was Smithereens from like the oh, early eighties. Doesn't really that. have that much of uh, any bands in it. It's all kind of in the background, but it like at least like it felt authentic to like the music scene. Um, okay. But I was uh, yeah, I got like an, I watched the whole thing, but I was like, oh, man, I probably should have rewatched Scott Pilgrim because I would have had yeah. more to say. Uh, the movie I wanted to rewatch, uh, wanted to, I, I didn't rewatch anything for, for this. It's, I'm too busy right now, but, um, another one that's 
uh, one of the first bands that came to mind is that again, a really good band, uh, is crucial taunt from Wayne's world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Tia Carrera's band, partially because that is the name of my bar trivia team. Uh, uh, we used to be called the Shitty Beatles, which is also a Wayne's World reference, but the bar where we play every Sunday decided they were too much of a family establishment to let us call ourselves the <laughs> Shitty Beatles, so we changed it to Crucial Taunt. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, I can't remember what T- what's Tia Carrera's name in the movie in Wayne's World. Uh, oh my gosh, that's Cassandra. Yeah. Uh, Cassandra's band rocks, right? I have not seen Wayne's World in a long time. Oh, it's really good. Um, I remember not liking it at the time. I think I'd probably have a deeper appreciation for it now. That's nuts that you didn't yeah. like it at the time. I know it's so funny. I just as a kid, just I don't think I got Wayne's World. I just the sketch or the movie. I just don't think I understood why is this funny. Um. Okay. I didn't think the character had like a hook. Not that I would have put it that way as a kid, but, uh, uh, well let's, okay, let's go sticking with the era. I'm going to name two bands that are supposed to be bad. Okay. Wild stallions. Of course. From villain's head and the lone Rangers from airheads, which is a movie I watched so many times as a kid. And they're also not a good movie. Um, I don't, I wouldn't know yeah. because I watched it so many times when I was young that I have only positive uh, associations with it, including yeah. there's a line in it that I makes me laugh even harder now than it did then. So it must have some things going for it. There's a part Have you guys seen the airheads. Yeah. Not, not in a long time. A yeah. Okay. So, you know, they're all, they're barricaded inside the, the radio station and a bu- uh, because the, they're broadcasting a bunch of supporters have come. So there's a huge crowd of people outside. Yeah supporting them and the people outside start chanting at the cops rodney king rodney king and the woman who works at the radio station a black woman asks adam sandler why are they chanting rodney king and adam sandler goes he's that guy (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) that's a funny joke right yeah sure (laughs) all right um uh all right i've talked too much Ryan. Yeah. Um, all right. So you've got this band's in two movies: Infant Sorrow from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Get Him to the Greek, Russell Brand's character. Mm. Oh yeah. Okay. And I think the Get Him to the Greek, the songs within there are pretty solid song, mm. like pop rock songs, mm. um, better than the movie that it's in. I'm trying to think if there's any other uh, fictional band that's crossed over for more than one movie. Oh, that's a good. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there was that band that, you know, Richard Belzer's character was in, uh, <laughs> who showed up in yeah. all those shows. Um, are Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem in more than one Muppet movie? Are they only in... I'm sure, they, yes. Yeah, they gotta be in. I mean, the uh, characters uh, are. I don't know how much uh, music they play. Okay. I feel like there has to be. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to think who else would have crossed over. Because the... Um, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> Nothing. I was going to say something that I remember a conversation you and I had off mic before I started. Okay. Uh, and I'm not going to bring that up. Another example, but it's pretty much, it's the same scene basically as in Back to the Future, Back to the Future 2 with uh, sure. Marvin Berry. And, Marvin Berry, yeah. Yeah, and the, I looked it up, and the Starlighters. Yeah, and then that also, in the first one, you get to hear Marty McFly's band for about two seconds, the Pinheads. Mm-hmm. But they're just playing a Huey Lewis song, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and that's yeah. the other cheat, I think. You can't just take some other band song, <laughs> but I, I, honestly, it's probably better than yeah. Some like what would probably not be a good song. So we're looking. Um, so we're talking because again, I mentioned like Blues Brothers, and obviously they're only playing other people's songs. So 
the topic that we're specifically trying to zero in on is like the music is original for the film. I mean, that's, that's one of the okay. subcategories. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, so, um, the Marvin Berry thing makes me think of like fictional, like throwback, you know, like music that takes place or was written or sounds like it was written before. I guess that thing you do is, is yeah. like that. And like the commitments, but, right? Was, um, uh, I, you know, I never saw the commitments. That movie. So when the backseat played in, I want to say Scotland, but it might've been somewhere else. Someone like, they didn't really accuse me of ripping off that movie, but I hadn't seen it, but they were just like, you know, you like basically took beat per beat. Then like, I don't, I don't know. It's like an Alan Parker movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, I just, I haven't seen it, but I'm like, I don't, I don't think they have dick jokes and, all that other stuff, but like this guy, like he's like, how have you not seen it? Like that is your movie. And, uh, I feel like he's probably wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so a couple of the throwbacks that I thought of, uh, this one's kind of, uh, Otis day in the nights from animal house. They don't do original songs, but they are. Uh, and then, um, I had to look up his name because I forgot it, but, uh, Nick rivers, Val Kilmer's character from top secret. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. He's supposed to be sort of an Elvis type. Um, and he's got all sorts of good songs in that movie. Yeah, that's that, that's that's a that's a good one. I haven't seen this one, but uh, Meet the Robinsons, the like animated movie, like the it's computer animation came out yeah. in like 2005 or something. Mm-hmm. So the my local movie theater that I went to at the time in East Brunswick, New Jersey, uh, it, was, it was called Mega Movies. Now it's an AMC. But for years, and this went on like five or six years after that movie came out, they're like pre-roll like before a movie was i think it was frankie and the frogs and it was they did a rendition of i heard it through the grapevine except about like um like kicking my seat you annoying man i'll be on you like jackie chan like basically giving you like the rules of theater etiquette but it fucking played for years after it came out and the and this was uh on film so like the print was all dirty and it was like like my friend who worked at that theater like he somewhat joking but he said that's why he quit because he was just tired of hearing the, the <laughs> stupid frogs but that one yeah that went on for like five or six years at the theater and explains why you know it's an amc now um i'm gonna run through some of the because you guys keep talking and everything reminds me of something yeah so yeah, i'm kind of the back to the future place. thing reminded me of uh lindsey lohan's character's garage band from the freaky friday remake who are called pink slip mm-hmm. Um, i don't remember any of their music i forgot she was in a band um the idea of Music like the shitty Beatles are a band that you never actually hear. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Do you ever? Do you ever actually hear Audubon in Big Lebowski? Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, you do. I okay. think. I don't remember in. Oh yeah, because uh, the Nihilists are playing it on the stereo in the parking lot. Uh, okay. All right. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. So that doesn't count. Um, but I forgot when we, when I was talking about bands that are supposed to be bad. I forgot about the the greatest example ever of that it's a very brief thing but in ghost world there's the band blues hammer which is a bunch of like oh my white gosh. college bros playing blues music and about like and cotton all day long <laughs> yeah. and it's just like oh my gosh that's true oh that's perfect that is such the essence of of just a terrible tone deaf yeah. band yeah um but uh yeah uh along those lines in its weird way. Uh, I think this piece of music probably existed already, but I think it was arranged differently. So whiplash, uh, we have a, ja- oh, okay. a jazz band and you know, when they first play, cause the idea is this band is supposed to be amazing and win competitions. Uh, and they do a really good job of showing like sort of the JV band and it is a bit sloppy. Then you hear JK Simmons band and it's like right on, uh, 
but I will say that for me, I tend not to like, like, I'm not sure if that officially counts as big band jazz. Okay. Um, but it know. certainly is bigger than like a quartet, which tends to be what I prefer. Uh, and also just like everything is just so spot on. And I'm like, I realize that jazz isn't purely uh, improvisational, but uh, I tend to like something that feels more uh, improvised. And so like the idea of this band, like everything is like down to the letter. I still enjoy it and I can still recognize that it's good. But like when I think of the stuff I like about jazz, like that band is not it. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, did you ever see the fabulous Baker boys when I was very young? Yes. Yeah. I guess they're kind of a fictional. Yeah. I don't know. Musical concern. I don't know if you call them a band musical concern. That's fun. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's the movie school of rock, yeah, right? Yeah. Which features a band called no vacancy, which is trying, which is clearly like they can't sell out fast enough. Like yeah. they really, they just create this very, it's the band that kicked him out. Uh, right. And then you see them perform at the end and it's just really generic rock and all that. But I do like that in the audience, there's one guy that like when they announced that no vacancy won, uh, there's one guy that's like, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a, a nice moment. But as uh, far as the band itself and their original songs, they're, pretty good and with what school of rock by the way if you ever get the chance to see like a local school you know there's like school yeah of rock musical. i went to oh, I, I had time to kill in asbury park and i saw like one of the school of rocks concerts they put on it's like little kids playing classic rock songs and playing them well it's incredible that's awesome. i highly recommend if you ever see it coming around because like i'm sure they do them all over the yeah. um um yeah i, I, I watch uh I, I, Groups like that put up YouTube videos. Yeah. So I've watched uh, multiple times. I've watched like a group of kids doing 46 and two by tool. And so you've got this like 11 year old girl singing about like picking her scabs and all the tool stuff. Um, but before we move on, Jack Black is a subcategory of his own. Sure. Cause you've got school of rock. You've also got, they have a bunch of names. My favorite is Kathleen Turner overdrive yeah. from high fidelity, but they're also named like Barry jive in the uptown five. Yeah. And then there's another one, right? Or there's a reference to his previous band or something. There's a, I, when I was looking it up, there was a third. Sonic Death Monkey. Sonic Death Monkey is yeah. the other one. Um, and then this is kind of a cheat because it started as a TV show, but they made a movie, Tenacious D. Yeah. Are, but are Tenacious D a fictional movie band? Like, Tenacious D are a real band, Did aren't they? they start that way? I, th- I, I, I think it started know. as a comedy. I don't know. And then it was HBO, like, shorts, right? They were, like, short. Yeah. They're, like, 10-minute episodes. They were on HBO, but I don't know. I don't know uh, what order it goes in, yeah. but I just wanted to mention them. Flight of the Concords, which is somewhat right. similar. They were right. a band, I'm pretty sure, long before that. Um, yeah, that's the that's a hard one. I feel like it's just they exist at the, at the exact same time. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I, I could keep going, but anybody else? I go, go for days. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's name some other ones. All right. So not really a band, but Jackson Maine from Star is Born. Yeah. Which, like, I wrote Alley down. Yeah, and that's but, somewhere yeah. where both of them, I bought their music actually being successful. And by the way, I saw that in Dolby. Like, yeah. that's the first movie I saw like at AMC with Dolby. And like, it sounded like being at like a rock. Show. Like it mm-hmm. was fucking loud. And yeah. It was super cool. Yeah, yeah. I think the first time I saw it, the theater was was Dolby Atmos. And along those lines, I mean, my only reason for not mentioning that is because it's like a solo act. It's as, I mean, obviously they're playing with a band, but it's still like, 
you know, I would bring up Crazy Heart or, or Tender Mercies yeah. or something, but like worth, I'm thinking in terms of bands, yeah. so I don't bring those up. Yeah, I, uh, that's a good point. I did put Bad Blake from Crazy uh, Crazy Heart, right? That's his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did put him on my list, but yeah, I guess that's not a, not actually a band. I'm just saying um, I committed to the premise, and it sounds yeah. like you guys didn't. Yeah, I'm loosey goosey here. I got a, a two boy bands uh, from Pop Star Never Stop Stopping. Okay, I got, okay. Um, what was the name of their band? I should have organized this better because I can't read what it says. Uh, the Style Boys, <laughs> okay, is what they're called. And then there was this was a case of a TV show turned into a movie that I don't remember, but Together from MTV. Oh, which oh, yeah. was like yeah, making fun of the boy band craze. Uh, but uh, to go back to Joe's and the Pussycats, there's Dujour. Uh, the the fake boy band who uh, die in a plane crash at the at the very beginning. Oh, <laughs> have you guys not seen Josie and the Pussycats? I, have I haven't since oh. potentially when I was like, yeah, very young. Um, I have no. I still haven't seen it despite having heard nothing but good things. Yeah, about it's it. really funny, yeah. and it's I'm trying. It's um, Dujour is like it's all funny people. It's um. Seth, or not funny people, but people you at least. Mm-hmm. Seth Green is funny. Sure. But then I, uh, the reason, <laughs> the whole reason I took back saying it's all funny people is because who's the guy that I don't like who Seth Green and him created Robot Chicken together? You know what I'm talking about? Is it, is it Breck and Meyer? Breck and Meyer, yeah. Oh, I forget that he's involved with, uh, Robot chicken, but uh, oh, I've been why to, do you hate? Why do you uh, hate? Uh, because so I've been to. I used to go to Comic Con every Friday. I mean, I go to still go to Comic Con every year, but mm-hmm. every Friday at Comic Con, there'd be a block of panels in the Indigo Ballroom that were like all the um, Adult Swim stuff, mm-hmm. and so a number of times I sat through the Robot Chicken panel because there was something on either side of sure. it that I wanted to, and. Uh, yeah, I'm calling you out, Breckenmeyer. I find you completely obnoxious and uh, not particularly funny. And there were a number of times that I was just like trying to focus on reading a magazine or looking at Twitter yeah. or something to not listen. That's to. why I bring my tweaked audio earbuds with me <laughs> to uh, Comic Con. Um, um, got almost famous. You got Stillwater. Yeah, which apparently based off me looking on Wikipedia for two seconds, uh, Peter Frampton had something to do with mm. that. Oh wow! So. Yeah, I, I don't remember their music at all. But, but um, so I mean, uh, we did mention this is Spinal Tap, which means we can mention a Mighty Wind. Um, we're bouncing around to different genres and stuff, but uh, and I don't have notes, so I'm just going by what's in my head. Uh, but yeah, the the th- I guess one of them is just a, is a duo, but then you have uh, the, I think they're the new Main Street Singers, and then. I forget the the name of the folk Spinal Tap uh, uh, band, <laughs> but I remember I like I think all of that music is so good, and even the things that are hokey are hokey in a really good way. Um, and uh, oh, I hate to say it, but I feel like there were a lot of good there were a lot of good nominate uh, a lot of nominated songs that were really good that year. But I kind of wish that Kiss at the em- at the end of the Rainbow had won Best Song that year instead of that. Any Lennox song from Lord of the Rings, which is fine, but come on. Um, sorry, I had to look up the other member of Dujour is Donald Faison, and what I didn't realize until just looking right now is that they're all uncredited in the movie. That's why it took me way too long to find them. Mm-hmm. Anyway. There's also the fictional band The Ruddles. Which I've never seen the All You, all you Need Is Cash. cash. Never yeah. saw it. I saw it in high school. Uh, enjoyed it. It just, I, I think I was... I mean, I knew the Beatles, but I don't think I understood quite the phenomenon of the Beatles, which is kind of what that is about. Uh, but, you know, they they 
wrote their own, their own own songs and they were pretty catchy. Like that's the thing is even parody stuff needs to be a little bit catchy uh, yeah. because you still need, there are still things that you need to accept about that world that, you know, with something like a mighty wind or a spinal tap. Okay. Well, these acts are very popular. So I need to, uh, so in this world, I need to conceivably under, uh, believe that they would be popular. So they need to be at least a little bit good or at least catchy. Yeah. Like that's always the easiest thing to kind of call bullshit on if it's not at least catchy yeah. in the movie and people are supposedly knowing it. And I don't remember what this band sounded like, but uh, Nick and Nora's infinite playlist had the jerk offs, which oh. was, I think was that Michael Sarah's band, Michael Sarah playing in bands and movies. Um, that reminds me of a movie called drive me crazy with uh, uh, Adrian Grenier and, and Melissa Joan Hart and the Donna's the band, the Donna's are in the movie, but in the movie, their band is called the Electrocutes, which is also a good name. Yeah, but that's a really good name. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, I don't know if that counts as a fictional. They're just the Donnas playing Donnas songs, but because they have the, it's they're doing a, they're they're play acting as another band. I don't know if it counts. Well, that's that's something that you found, and I mean they even reference it in uh, that thing you do like all these old, like all these bands from the fifties would be, it was Captain Geach and the the Shrimp Shack Shack Shooters. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But like they would do that all the time is like these, these bands that were clearly signed because they were kind of like the Beatles would show up in these crappy little uh, horror movies playing, I think their music, but under a different name. Um, Yeah. So like that's something that would happen pretty frequently. And so I'll this count isn't it. Fictional either, but on Treme was something really strange. One of my favorite bands, Lucero, were kind of in the background of an episode, and one of I don't remember her name, but she's like one of the main characters throughout the series. She ends up hooking up with the singer Lucero, Ben Nichols, brother of the director Jeff Nichols, and he ends huh. up being in like a couple. I think he's in like another episode in the background, but they never address that it's a real band or call them. But and it's like a band with a decent following, and I yeah. thought that was weird that they'd take th- a real band and then use the non-actor singer in a storyline for two that is, seconds. Uh, the other thing I remember, obviously Treme has a lot of real, real jazz people playing uh, themselves, but also there's one uh, part of this book to me. And when the, the, uh, the visiting journalist guy uh, who's a metalhead goes to see, I hate God and I hate God are playing, just playing a show. Real band? Uh, um, so I only have two more on my list and then I'll just turn over the, that. I can't believe I forget when I was talking about bands, I would actually want to see, see live. I can't believe I forgot the Venus and furs from velvet goldmine. Oh, sure, kind of yeah, a, yeah. a, a Bowie slash T-Rex type of like mm-hmm. glam band. And then we were talking about bands that are bad. And I think supposed to be bad. Um, Hey, that's my bike is Ethan Hawke's characters band in reality bites. <laughs> I, it's been so long since I've seen Reality Bites that I don't. I, I didn't remember he was in a band, though. Of course, how could he not yeah, be? He given is. the nature yeah. of the movie, um, um, it's called "Hey, That's My Bike." Hey, that's my bike. Is the name of the band? <laughs> uh, and that, that's my list. Unless something else. Unless I think of something else. I got a few more. Um, okay. I watched just this week, Frank. Oh yeah, and what is the name of the band in that? I think the thing is they they make a joke about it and they it's hard to pronounce, but it's spelled. S it's the S O R O N P R F B S. Yeah, I don't know. And in that movie, I, I bought like the music and then making it. But the one thing that felt pretty bullshitty to me is they go to South by Southwest, and at the very beginning, it's going really well. And the whole thing is they're only supposedly like they have like twenty something thousand plays on YouTube. They even talk about it in the movie about how like that's not really that 
many like when you're sitting there and there's like a whole setup of like yeah people probably won't be there no here but then they're playing a packed room and they're pretty into it until he like kind of has his meltdown yeah which now when that came out michael fassbender being in it wasn't a spoiler or anything right like it was used i feel like his name was featured in the market was it i don't know because i i read when i was looking on letterboxd like after watching it because i was just curious to see what people thought and I, I saw, I think it was Roger Avery wrote something about it, about like this big reveal of him being in the movie. It's like, I knew it was him the whole time, but I, I guess it's cool, but it's, well, yeah, it's yeah, really a reveal. Like, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, because you never see that as Michael Fassbender until the very end. Very end, but like, at that point, you're kind of just learning about who he is, and you see kind of, I don't know, you see a face for what's wrong with him. But yeah. it wasn't like, oh my god! It wasn't like the thing at the end of uh, the most recent Spider-Man movie in the credits, where it's like, oh shit, there's the guy. Do you know? I, I didn't see it. Oh, there, there's uh, something, something really good. I'm sure Tyler knows what you're referring to. I did not see. Uh, I did not see it. Okay. Oh, you didn't see it either. Mm-mm. All right. I will. I will say it off mic because it's the kind of thing I would, I would be pissed if, in passing if it was ruined for me. Mm. But it's okay. a character shows up. And there's an actor playing this character, and it's you didn't really, see uh, really surprising. What was it called? Far uh, from home. Far from home. With Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, sorry. Uh, I uh, I was looking at some stuff for the conversation. Um, I thought we were still on Frank, and oh, we were talking about like, the reveal. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. I yeah. I had heard about that beforehand. Oh, sorry. Um, that sucks. I had no idea. So I was sitting there, yeah. it's like, oh wow, that's. <clears throat> Really interesting that they would do that. The well, people, don't spoil it for people who yeah. are listening. The people I, I, I in guess, the theater. Yeah. Anyone who's care, anyone who cares, that probably has seen it. But yeah. probably just yeah, yeah. I'll just to be I'll, safe. Yeah, I'll say this: the people that were in the theater with me did not know, and they were thrilled. Yeah, and uh, you know what? It kind of warmed my heart too. Yeah, because it doesn't. There's a bunch of reasons why you wouldn't think that's going to be there. Yeah, and uh, and it works so well. Yeah, and it sets up for the next movie. Presuming yeah. they go in that direction, which I feel like. Knowing Marvel or superhero movies today, they'll probably barely do anything with that. But like, yeah, yeah. I, I want to see a whole movie of what that sets up. Yeah, I'm interested, so. and we'll see. Like, if that, like, I know that Marvel and Sony have like made their peace at this point, but at the same time, I feel like it's, yeah. it's very tenuous. I, I feel like this might actually play on the pod. I'm going to just show David who it is. That way, you'll understand the reaction. Yeah. I'd- um, Same oh. character from. Okay, yeah. I yeah. think I did know that actually. Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, no clue. I think someone had told me that. Really? Um, yeah, it was very exciting. Um, but uh, yeah, I was trying to think. Uh, as far as I was thinking of, of like more uh, like TV band TV bands, and I know that this one's like really obvious, but uh, Mouse Rat from. Uh, Parks and Recreation. That's yep. uh, uh, Chris Pratt's mm-hmm. band. That he's he's always changing the name of it. I think he lands on Mouse Rat, and I don't. And we do see him play once or twice, and then we also uh, see on the Office. We see Kevin's police cover band, uh, the name of which I have forgotten. But Scrantonicity. That was it. Um, <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, so that's that's all I can think of. But I'm sure there there yeah, are big ones that we're missing. So listeners, that's up to you. 
and one that's not actually in the movie at all, but it's my favorite movie, so I like to talk about it when I can. Ryan Reynolds in Adventureland, his band, mm-hmm. he's supposedly in a band that I don't think you actually see, but oh, okay. you see him holding the guitar, and throughout the movie he's referencing a Satellite of Love, the Lou Reed song, how he played it with Lou Reed once, but he's calling it the wrong thing. And I just like to bring up that that's a movie I think people should go back to. Yeah. It's, it's when you don't go in expecting it to be super bad, too, the way it was marketed. Right, right. It's, yeah. it's I, uh, the best. So over the summer, I, I teach like Italian kids about film. And one of the things we talk about is marketing. And uh, so we, I show them like a number of trailers and the different types of trailers there are and that kind of thing. And, uh, and then I show them the trailer for Adventureland. And I'm like, what do you guys think this movie's about? And they say, oh, well, it sounds like it's all about this fun, zany job that he has. And it's like... It does. It is about that. Maybe about fifteen percent, but it's actually a romance, and and it's and a really good it's a romance. Drama with like yeah. an ensemble. Like every character has an arc, and it's not really that funny, but it's kind of funny. And yeah. it's an eighties movie that doesn't. Even though the music's all on there. Like my when I saw it in theaters, my friend leaned to me about forty five minutes, and he's like, "Yo, is this in the eighties or something?" <laughs> and there's a title card that says nineteen eighty something. And uh, tangentially related to that, I've met both leads from Adventureland within the last couple of years. It's my favorite movie. I managed not to talk to him about it because I met Kristen Stewart unexpectedly. Didn't realize it was her. Talked to her for a while about movies and was kind of being a dick because I was just like purposely going against everything she said. And I met Jesse Eisenberg last <laughs> well, Wait, Why were you doing why, that? Why did you do that? <laughs> All right. So to some backstory, me and my friend were going. My friend from Jersey was visiting us when I was living out here. And we went to go to karaoke at this uh, 80s bar in Koreatown. And... The thing is, you know, when you do karaoke, you're going to have a lot of drinks to get ready to do karaoke. They never called her name, and we were, like, getting bored, so we left, and we went to this other bar in uh, Los Angeles. I wouldn't say the name of it, because I think she probably goes there, because okay. it's, like, a smaller place. And we're in there, and it's dead. We've both had too many drinks, but it was, like, kind of a bummer. Like, it was, like, my friend's one of his last nights in town. So as we're going out to the parking lot, this is right when the Harvey Weinstein news was breaking, and I was telling a story about like a certain actor relating to that and this group of for lack of better terms lesbians is what like i thought were like we were like holding the door open for them and they started talking to us about it and they're my friend and who we learned was kristen stewart went through like two or three cigarettes over the course of this conversation and like i was like kind of fucking with her about like uh, the movie we were talking about argo and like i was just advocating for him like yeah it should have won best yeah it's a fine movie i get how it won and like i was bringing up like uh i think i was bringing up alan alda when i meant to say alan arkin and like but we were having this like debate and she had like a lot of cool opinions on stuff but like i don't know i was just having fun with it because it's some stranger so i was just purposely taking really strong stances that i didn't necessarily believe in and she was really cool and uh anyway so the thing that made us realize it was her so her and her friends got into a porsche or like a nice car but it wasn't like a flashy nice car but it was nice enough where it clicked for both of us as soon as they got in the car who it was and i think they noticed us like being like oh fuck so the friend rolled down the window and took a picture of me and my friend and then they drove away (laughs) and almost every time i talk movies with someone like it'll come up people ask what your favorite movie is and within the last few years i realized it was adventureland so i'm just so happy that didn't come up yeah because i was gonna like bring up my my humble brag with that is that greg matola the director follows me on twitter for some reason Uh i've never talked to him (laughs) 
But like, I'm so glad because like, if I realized it was her or that movie, I wouldn't have. Like I was kind of a dick, but in like a fun way, I think. But it would have been like an embarrassing story if you had just talked about Adventureland without ever acknowledging. Also, I think she would have walked away and like not like everything I could tell from just seeing her. I know from movies that when a celebrity is talking to somebody who either doesn't just say yes all the time or doesn't realize who they are, it's just so refreshing. Well, that's what it was. And uh, you think that uh, Ryan was on the verge of a Notting Hill type of situation. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, and then when did you meet Jesse Eisenberg? So this was kind of pretty cool because a uh, lead actor from The Lost Weekend, Sam, he was in a play that Ethan Cohen wrote that just played here in L.A. And our film was playing in Australia. So my girlfriend was traveling with me. So we spent two days in L.A. on our way to Australia. And it was the last night of the play. And I know opening night, like, Brad Pitt came. Like, people who have been in Coen Brothers movie came. So this was the last performance. I had a feeling there might be some interesting people there. And sure enough, we see Ethan Coen a few rows ahead of us. And then um, I see Jesse Eisenberg come in with someone. And he has, like, a hat on. You tell he's, he's not someone who, like, wants to necessarily be approached. And I wasn't going to say anything. And I had just watched rewatched Adventureland, like, two mm-hmm. or three days before this. So I texted Sam after the play to tell him how good his performance was because it, it was nuts. Like he did this like he had probably like the most challenging part in the play because it was like a series of like, I guess, I don't know if you'd call him one. I guess the other one acts. But he was uh, like I, best thing I can compare it to. He sounded like a plantation owner. And it's like in like the 1800s, like South, you know, in the U.S. and in the South States. Um, and he's doing these like Shakespearean soliloquies. It's like a really weird tough thing and I had no idea this kid could like do accents or anything anyway so I texted him to tell him good job he asked if I wanted to come backstage so I went back and I had my girlfriend's mom with me my girlfriend and my friend Rick and we go backstage and Jesse Eisenberg's there um who's that other actor he was on taxi um Judd Hirsch yes Judd Hirsch was there it was like a weird and it was like a small backstage it's a big cast in taxi you yeah, that was you nailed it the first time. Yeah, so yeah, Judd Hirsch was there, and you could have um, said Danny DeVito or Tony Danza. Yeah, obviously not Andy Kaufman. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we're Mary backstage in like Henner. a small area, and uh, Sam's like, "Hey, you could have a drink or whatever." And like, I'm mostly just standing by the people I came with because like I had nothing to do with this play, and. I, as much as like I like the Coen Brothers' work, they're like directors that I don't know that I want or need to meet because mm. I just mm. I feel like I don't know they they seem fun. Um, but then Sam calls me over and he's talking to me. He's like, uh, "I want you to meet my friend." And he introduces me to his friend. This is his friend Jesse. So then uh, next yeah, so I talked to Jesse Eisenberg for like ten fifteen minutes, mostly about Australia, not really pretending to not know who he was, but also not acknowledging that because I was introduced as like this director who just made a film with him. And, like, for all he knows, like, I'm making really cool stuff, so I wanted to play yeah. cool. And, uh, yeah, and the other thing with Jesse Eisenberg is he's from a town over from me. So he's, like, one of the few people that would know, like, the small town I currently live in. But that didn't come up. And then he, uh, when he said goodbye, which was, like, after I had talked to him for a little while, he's, like, taken Ambien on the flight to Australia. <laughs> so, yeah, both both leads from Adventureland. I managed not to talk about Adventureland, although with Jesse Eisenberg, it was on my mind. And I yeah. was just playing it cool. Whereas with Kristen Stewart, I just didn't realize it was her until later, <laughs> and I was very, 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 very relieved. Um, should we wrap up, or we have more to talk about? Well, as far as the topic, no. But I do know that, uh, that uh, Ryan just... Look, I recognize you're a filmmaker and blah, blah, blah. But 
You did say that you had a couple of uh, detective stories to tell well, on the podcast. I, but I want to ask, do you have more fictional bands yes. you want uh, to talk about do before that. we Very get to... Very quick throwaways. There might be one or two. Uh, you got Dewey Cox and Walcard, which is a similar thing. And this isn't quite related, but I want to call it out where I can. Bohemian Rhapsody, obviously, about a real Ben. Their <laughs> depiction of songwriting, where like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to fucking stomp on the floor and clap. And that's how we wrote We Will Rock You, which maybe is true, because it's that song's pretty dumb. But... <laughs> <laughs> I I never felt bullshit more for a yeah. songwriting type thing because I guess it's also worth noting while I get the attention of your loyal listener base I so for years because I, I played in punk bands throughout high school and the beginning of college but kind of backed off for a while and for years like sometimes a conversation would come up but like with different band names you and I always said I'd call Ben Sally Draper like if I ever had like a hardcore band or a punk band long story short I ended up recording something with my friend that we released as Sally Draper and we ended up putting out a couple albums and EPs and we still play shows a few times a year Mm -hmm. so anyway I want to throw that out there you can find that on Spotify and then I've also been learning that maybe it wasn't the best name to go with because there's a thing that I think is a good criticism where there's a lot of bands like there's a band called Cheap Girls that's all men and there's this big thing with oh. men using like feminine names for their music projects yeah like and Screaming Females screaming, or but Screaming Females has a woman in it oh it does okay yeah, that, there's a band called Women that I think yeah. right is all is that all men I think I believe usually it is and like my defense is with Sally Draper it's like I just think it's a cool character from a show that I really yeah. like and uh, I've only had one person actually say something about it, and they were doing it to start shit. They weren't, like, trying to make a point. Because I think the bigger issue is when, and, you know, I'm just a dude talking about this, so what do I know? But it is, like, the case of Cheap Girls. Hard Girls is another band that's really good that I like, but also the same thing. Um, okay. But almost every single time there's a band with girls or women or female in the name, it tends to be dudes. And It reminds me of one that I missed, which is, I don't think they're ever actually named in the movie, but in the books, the Harry Potter books, they're called the Weird Sisters, the band that plays the prom, or when it's not called the prom, whatever mm. it's called, the Yule, what's it called? In the, Goblet the of Fire? Yule Ball. The Yule Ball. Yeah. Um, that's, call- a band, that's a band I don't like. <laughs> yeah, they're called the Weird Sisters, but it's all it's all men, including some pretty famous, it's uh, Jarvis Cocker and, and, and Johnny Greenwood um, and some others. Have, but uh, Have you guys heard? So Harry Potter was ahead of this trend is what I'm saying. Have either of you heard the song that Bruce Springsteen wrote for the Harry Potter, like the first movie? And it's and I love Bruce Springsteen, but it, does, it would be horrible in that movie. Like it only came out. Of course. Yeah, it got released within like the last year or two. And I think it's called, it's not called I'll Stand By You, but it's something pretty broad and generic. And yeah. I remember hearing it. Like, oh, wow. Because every now and then Bruce isn't, you know, doesn't misses. But I just want to hear him sing like spells. <laughs> it's, but it's, <laughs> it's not even that. It's not even that interesting, unfortunate. But um, did you ever see when? Because you know the story that he he wrote uh, "Hungry Heart" like for the Ramones, for the Ramones. and they said yeah. no, no thanks. You should take yeah. that. But when he was on the Jimmy Fallon show, whatever I guess it's called the Tonight Show, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Conan O'Brien's the host of the Tonight Show. Um, yeah, I'm still ten years on. He's I'm the still hanging out of the podcast. Um, yeah, he invented podcasting. But when he was on Jimmy Fallon, um, the Roots played like a verse and a chorus from Hungry Heart in the style of the Ramones. That's cool. That's neat. They also, speaking of the Roots, they also took a pretty obscure Weezer song when I think Amy Poehler or someone, was there a movie called Smart Girls or something along those lines that came out within the last couple of years? Or it was a movie about, some, anyway, they played that, like an instrumental of that. And I thought oh. that was so cool because that's like, a Weezer song off one of their less respected albums. Uh, I could talk oh. about Weezer all day. I remember you guys were talking about it a couple of months ago and I was kind of like, 
I wanted to like call in, which I know isn't a thing to yeah. tell you, um, the white album, everything will be all right. In the end, those two albums came out within like the last six or seven years and are, uh, okay. Great. I'm not a big Weezer fan. And after Pinkerton, okay. like, like most people, yeah. I, or like most, uh, snobs, Do you know what their age. next record's called? Uh, no Van Weezer and it's uh, the single they release uh, sounds like uh, Van Halen and Weezer combined okay alright <laughs> it's awesome um, although speaking of obscure Weezer tracks there was a, a compilation called DGC Rarities that had a Weezer song called Jamie yeah Jamie's on uh, that's a great song it's a really good song yeah it's from yeah. the Blue Album era uh, you can kind of tell you can kind of like pick out bits of Jamie that show up yeah. and other blue album songs but uh it was a really good song um okay i thought of another one sorry i, I know okay. i said i was done but That's the fine. movie uh it's it's a it's a weird okay not great movie called grace of my heart in which Ileana douglas plays a fictional character but it's clearly carol king like it's clearly based on the life of carol king and then matt Dillon again from citizen dick uh plays someone who's clearly brian wilson mm-hmm. but is not called brian wilson uh in the movie and that that has a. Uh, 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 anyway, that uh, I thought of another one. Too. Okay, go ahead. I don't know if the band has a name in the movie. They might uh, unlovable with John Hooks oh, and I don't think they do have a name. Yeah, but but, and, yeah. Uh, but in that at least that was another one where I was like, oh, this feels real and like makes sense. But didn't John Hawks like write or co-write Probably. like actually write so, those yeah. songs? Yeah. yeah. So it, you could because that's the other thing that we were talking about before too. You can tell when they have. Uh, Who's the guy who did, who did Crazy Heart and seems to like basically make a second living off of writing? Like Ryan song? Bingham. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's here's it. why I know that. That was 2009. Uh, same year as uh, Up in the Air. George Clooney's character's name is Ryan Bingham. Oh wow, yeah. that's and, very strange. And he was nominated, and then the other Ryan Bingham was nominated yeah. for I think was it Crazy Heart? Yeah, and he won. Yeah, movie. he won some. Yeah. All right. Stuff like that is fun. Uh, also, I, I haven't seen her smell, but isn't she part of oh, the band yeah. in that? Yeah. Um, something. What, 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 uh, what is the name of the band in her smell? I haven't seen it. Something. She, she something. I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, there's a number of bands in there. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Do we have any more? Do we, uh, Tyler wants to get to these private yeah, detective stories. Some dick tales. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Available on uh, Disney plus. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yes. What do we All got? Right. Uh, okay. So I got to be careful cause I'm still at this point doing that for my living. And, um, so one thing, not the most interesting story, but, um, when I was working as a private investigator out here in LA, Uh, I was working in this one neighborhood and I noticed one thing that was pretty weird. I saw someone on their lawn for sale. They had a bunch of merch from bands like the descendants and like different punk and like metal and rock bands, but like an inventory of stuff. Like it wasn't someone's clothes. It was, Mm -hmm. uh, and I looked into it because, you know, I was dicking. I had to do stuff. Uh-huh. And it was all from uh, this company, Cinderblock. Anyway, that should have been a sign that maybe I was in a questionable neighborhood. Maybe not. Uh, so when I'm working, I'll, you know, I'm sitting in my car. And if it's hot out, my windows might be down a little. And this person approached me asking me who I was and what I was doing. It was someone kind of scary. Uh, so I was honest because <laughs> I didn't want anything to happen. And what I'm so depending on what company you work for, and I think generally speaking, you're supposed to call the police and say you have a code five, and then they ask for your license plate. And it's basically so if they get a call about a suspicious car, they know it's a private investigator. And uh, you know you don't always really need to do that, but it's company policy for the company I was working for. 
And that time I hadn't called yet, but I did. And the cop told me, he's like, oh, you're in whatever this neighbor, like specific cross streets. He said, go somewhere else. There's been like multiple officer involved shootings there this week. Just leave. So I did. I had to leave and it was scary, but also, yeah, okay. I can't say certain things about that. But anyway, I left and I'm still alive now on to a a couple of uh, sort of interesting stories. This one also happened out here. So I was following this woman and uh, you could kind of tell that she wasn't all there mentally. And I think that's had to do with whatever disability she was claiming or whatever. And I followed her all the way from I'm trying to remember. Anyway, I followed her to Redondo Beach and it was pretty far from where she was. And she parked her car, I want to say, about a mile or two from the beach. And so I had to follow her on foot to the beach. And eventually I get there and she's doing her long because she's carrying like a, a laundry basket. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe she's working as a housekeeper on the side while still, you know, taking insurance money, which like you're not supposed to do. But no, she was doing her laundry with the public water. And this woman drive drove like a Lexus or a Mercedes and her other car was also a high end car. So it was very bizarre. And she strips down to like her underwear and this is in public during the day in a busy area. And like I, you know, I'm getting video of this woman doing this and she's doing her laundry with like the water outside the public restroom on the beach, which is miles and miles from her home. Like none of it made any sense. Mm -hmm. And she did this for like an hour and a half, two hours and then went home and on her way home, she parked at, I want to say like a Wendy's or a McDonald's, then walked about like eight or nine blocks, got in a different car, which she drove home, like all this weird stuff. And it turns out this case, so I get a call about it. And this was like one of the longest days ever. Cause it was like a 17 hour day. Cause she came out at the very end of when I was supposed to be working. And the whole thing is you stay with the person until mm-hmm. they go home. So like, this is a story that I told a lot of people. And then I eventually, you know, moved back to New Jersey and I get the call that it's going to trial and they were going to potentially fly me out here as like a witness And they ended up just, I guess her lawyers, when they saw the video, they just dropped her as a client because Mm. it's like, you're clearly doing shit you're not supposed to. But also it felt weird because like to me. But she hasn't broken the law at any of this. I think, well, I think she's still trying to get some claim because she was probably saying she was too unwell to drive and like all this other stuff. And she's carrying a huge bag of laundry for like miles on foot. And it was just the most bizarre thing. And they ended up dropping her as a client. And I don't know what she's up to now, but it, it was looking like they were going to fly me out here hmm. to just show up in court one day and to be like, yeah, that happened. So it's is awesome. it legal in California to video someone without their consent? It's complicated. So different states have different laws, especially with audio. Like you can't just record audio of someone without them knowing in a lot of states, but other states you can. New York, I know, is really hard one way or the other on the issue. But it's it's this weird thing where I think you can hire someone. I feel like when you take a disability paycheck or something, you're probably and I, I could be wrong. I should know more about this, but I don't want to do this forever. So I'm trying not to get too <laughs> used to it, although it's been many years at this point. I do think you sign away probably certain right. It's and hmm. they the other thing is people know sometimes. If you, I don't know if you guys saw Marriage Story yet, no. but there's a line in that from uh, one of the lawyer characters in the movie tells Adam Driver, it's like you know someone might be following you, and it's true. So like I think. Like it's obviously it's legal because that's how I make a living, um, but right. yeah, and I so most of my cases end up being disability type stuff, and then sometimes there's things like people having affairs and everything, and those they can be more interesting. But I don't like I like the insurance ones because I have more of a predictable schedule and can like have a life 
like because I'll just know if the person's home at two o'clock that afternoon I want to stay when you do like the domestic cases it'll the client will ask you to stay for like 10 more hours and there's also like on the subject of domestic cases there's one that you're working I, I gotta be vague enough with this because it just started again although I'm not really working it anymore because uh, I was sort of caught because this was someone's boyfriend who I think he was considering or is considering marrying this person who happens to be a model and like an Instagram influencer and he's worth a lot of money. So he's spending anywhere. Like he's got to be spending five to $15,000 a month on surveillance with her. And he would sometimes have us follow her when he was with her, which made this, no sense. <laughs> this is a recipe for a successful marriage, yeah, by the way, course, like yeah. this level of trust. So, yeah. So those, so like with the, that case, what would suck about that is it would always be last second. And they'd be like, you stay for a few more hours, stay for a few more hours. And like, she didn't go anywhere. And also she like never did anything remotely shady in the times that I was following her. But like, that's why yeah. like I definitely prefer the more boring people. Cause the other, but you said like, you got caught doing that. You got, you got made. Is that the, yeah, they got made. Oh boy. And, yeah. and it happens every now and then it's oddly, it's in a weird way. It's more exciting than when you don't. Cause sometimes <laughs> the people will follow you and you're being chased. Um, but basically, yeah, because this is what happens when you have someone tailing the same person for, at this point, like two years, like once or twice a week or more. Yeah. Someone's going to notice. And and I guess she had a friend on the police department in her town who was able to run my plates. Mm. And anyway, long story short, I can't work that case anymore. I see. And uh, so, yeah, I got made that time. Um, another Wait, so two years? This, this guy still hadn't years. made up his mind about whether or not to yeah. pop the question to yeah, and that's the love of his life, People obviously. assume that we ask all these questions, but it's like <laughs> a really steady paycheck. And usually, I think, and like I don't handle this side of the business, but I'd imagine on domestic cases, you can pull shit where you're just like, because it's super last second sometimes. So like you could just increase the rate and be like, yeah, you're calling us in on Thanksgiving. Mm give us this much and they'll usually do it because they're desperate but yeah it's a weird one and definitely not a person you would want to date or whatever yeah but although there is part of me like as an independent filmmaker i'm like i should see if this guy likes movies <laughs> I, i've been learning uh that's somehow that's the conversation to raise money like in smaller amounts and then i guess one other sort of interesting story and this one's pretty recent this is an insurance case uh and the guy was claiming something very specific to, I want to say, like, his left hand. And he's an older guy. And I followed him pretty far. And he goes to, like, an adult community. So, like, people over the age of, like, 50. And it's, like, a softball league. And at first he's just watching. But then he starts playing. And he's mm. playing softball. He played, like, three games. And he's playing for hours. And so I'm getting video of this guy clearly in shape where he could work his job. And... In his last game, he was the last one up to bat, so it's like a metal bat. He swings, he misses, he gets pissed. So first he takes both hands and smashes the bat on the ground. And then about a minute or two later, I got him with the supposed injured hand, hitting the bat again really hard. And so like that was one time where it actually felt like, oh, I got something with my job that doesn't feel terrible because, like, you know, kind of fuck this guy because whatever, <laughs> he's taking money. It's an open and easily, shut case. Yeah, and it's very clear that it's there. And so many of the times, too, it's not like, like, I think by policy, it's not like every single person you go out to follow is faking. Something. It's just they have to check because they're spending so much money. Mm-hmm. And I'd imagine if they're paying the rates, you pay any private investigating company. Like, So is it more often than that the person is fine? I 
I find it so, but then there's also things where I, because you're, you're not supposed to be partial in any way, so it's not like I'm saying, you know, I'm saying this guy's guilty or something, so I'm just documenting what happens, and sometimes, even when I'm doing my reports, like, I should, you know, I usually do look into what the injury is, so I could, like, say they didn't use a cane or did, but, yeah, I feel like it's, I want to say, like, 60% of the time it doesn't seem like they are, but... But I don't know, then there's other times where I might not realize or might not remember when I'm doing the report that, like, they said they couldn't drive, and then they're driving mm. everywhere. But a lot of times it's nothing, and it's it's kind of nice when that's the case. But also, that could be frustrating, too, because then you have your client being like, why haven't you seen them? And I, I don't know about you guys, but, like, I have days where I don't leave the house or I don't leave before a certain time of day. And like, right. that's something that gets frustrating with the job, too, is they because they ideal they have you start early, at least at the beginning of cases all the time, because they want you to catch if someone's working a job. Because that's like the biggest shitty thing is when someone's getting some sort of disability payment and then working a manual labor job on top of it that they're lying about. Hmm. So, like, usually I have to start at like six in the morning, five in the morning. And uh, but what gets frustrating about that is a lot of times they'll have me on like younger people in like their younger twenties and they'll send me home cause there's been no activity at like 10 in the morning. It's like right. a fucking 21 year old's not getting up before. <laughs> like, now I have, every time I go to the, to the gym in the gym parking lot, there's always the same other car there and it's a very bright red Mustang. So am I being followed by the world's worst private detective? Yes. No, well, that's the weird thing. It's I, all I could afford, Dave. So the big I want to see if you're podcasting with anyone else. This, this is like some horseshit too. This uh, bigger company I was working for directly when I was living out here. For a brief period of time, they had this operations manager who was like a total asshole. He was breathing down everyone's neck. He was telling, instead of just like, you know, talking to the investigators about just like leaving it at what they were doing wrong or what he wasn't happy with. He would tell the people in house, like, don't give cases to this person. And the thing is when you're depending on that for your living and you're Mm -hmm. suddenly working like four or five hours in a week, it's really fucked up. Like they should just tell you, Hey, we're not giving you work. Anyway, this guy, one of his bragging points about being such a good investigator, because he always referred to it as playing James Bond, which it's it's not. It's not that exciting. It's not that cool. But he's like, when I was when I was Incidentally, younger, he's never seen a James Bond movie. Yeah, he doesn't like. I don't think he's like shooting people or anything. So he, <laughs> but he, his bragging point was that he drove a yellow minivan, and he's like, people would never see it coming. And I was like, ah, you're just a dick. And the That's same stupid. guy. I would notice the yellow yeah, minivan yeah. if I saw and him more than once. The same guy did like so. There's one case that I was doing where. It was in an apartment building, which is always challenging, especially a big one. And this was kind of near downtown L.A. And he was getting frustrated that I hadn't seen the person come out yet. But it's like they had an indoor parking garage. So, like, there's just a number of reasons why it's difficult. So he went in without on a day that I wasn't working. And he's like, I got them. But what he did was he, like, weaseled his way into the building, knocked on the person's door. And he had a hidden camera. And he took a picture of the person's, like, child, like a 10-year-old who answered the door. I was like... That's fucking creepy. Yeah. Like, anyway, but that guy lasted like less than two months at the company and they let him go. Thank, but anyway, that's like the side of the drama of this business they don't talk about is like, especially if you have one place employee. So basically, most private investigators work for a number of people and clients because one, it could slow down genuinely. And then the other thing is, unless you do something really bad, they don't let you go. They'll just slow down giving you work. And there's like, uh, I, I could see how someone who likes, you know, if you have kids or something like for me, it's great just cause I could take time off, but also like, yeah, you could just suddenly not have a job or, hmm. and then some months are really just so like 
the insurance company people, they go on Christmas vacation and stuff too. So the months, the weeks leading up to Christmas and then the beginning of January is always pretty much dead. So you got to count on not working and yeah. Well, at least you don't have that to worry about right now because you've got this film that you're uh, yeah, the last weekend that you're doing last weekend covering it and you know um, our distributor from the backseat which I don't think exists anymore but the movie's on Amazon so there you go you know I'm getting not getting those royalties from people streaming it but yeah go uh, watch uh, the backseat yeah, to to not uh, pay Ryan's bills you know to, uh, best of the decade thank you guys for that <laughs> yeah you please don't don't actually put it on your list like. Well, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. That's where you can find uh, uh, all sorts of, uh, I'm trying to think uh, it's, it's only been a couple days since we last recorded some of the same stuff. And it's going to be a week until this goes up. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah, that's right. So you'll have reviews this week uh, from me of queen and slim and the two popes. Um, maybe some other stuff. I can't remember what else is going up this week. I think of me 1970, Uh, right? Is that this week? I think so. Okay. Um, so you have those reviews up uh, at battleshipretention.com. You can email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at davypretension. You can follow Tyler at tylerpretension. Mm-hmm. Anything else to, to plug, uh, Tyler? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Uh, head on over to morethanonelesson.com and just see what's there because I don't actually know right now. What's on the Patreon this week? Patreon is a mailbag. Mailbag. Oh, those are always fun. People yeah. like the mailbags. Uh, you can listen. You can, you can find that at patreon.com slash battleship retention. Uh, tiers start as low as $2 a month. Go up to $10 a month uh, if you want to see our, our, our beautiful faces. Um, and, you know, uh, subscribe, write, uh, rate, review, all that stuff. Uh, it helps. I don't know. I, yeah. I feel like such a fucking whore saying check that. Out our, uh, but, um, we do also have a YouTube channel. We don't add stuff to it, but we do have some good stuff on there. Sure. Um, Why not? So, And also, like, uh, Alexander Miller uh, does... Uh, like trailer uh, trailer reactions for trailers of movies that you have not heard of. Yeah, he did the president's last bang, uh, yeah. which is a, a 2005 Korean movie, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so that's uh, you can find all that stuff, um, Ryan. You can find the like you said. You can see the Lost Weekend touring the world. You can see the backseat on Amazon. Anywhere else people can can find you. Yeah, um, at the Bloody Mess on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where uh, my reviews I try to think of like while I'm in the theater before it starts. And it's always something that's like a sentence and really (laughs) stupid and probably problematic to some people. But, um, I'm sort of proud of the, the letterbox account. It does not reflect my opinions of the films, but, uh, I like to have fun with that to my, uh, so they're actually films that you have seen, (laughs) but the reviews were composed before you saw them. Yeah. So what I do is I, I, what appealed to me most about letterbox initially was just tracking everything I've watched. Mm -hmm. Cause like when I go on like some of my friends podcasts, that's what they'll want to talk about. So I just figure, all right, I'm going to write something really, really stupid. I think for when I saw three billboards, when that was playing, the review was just something like you could watch this with three bills and not get bored. Just, I try <laughs> to think of the stupidest thing there you I go. put. And uh, I did put something pretty questionable about, um, Ford v Ferrari. Well, let's, uh, uh yeah. leave that to people to discover yeah. for themselves at the bloody mess. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for being here. he just whispered you're welcome thank you at home for listening we'll get you next time bye bye
This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.